I don't normally sit at the front of church, and it's actually quite loud down here, but it took me back to standing in a church in Ghana, in the middle of Jamestown. Jamestown is the slum area of Ghana. Ghanaian worship is very loud. But what's amazing, in a place where people have so little, you can stand on a Sunday morning in Osmond's church, and you can hear three or four other places of worship in that slum area where the Ghanaians are worshipping. And we have a lot to learn about the faithfulness of God that the Ghanaians have in the midst of so little, but the joy that they bring to those services on a Sunday. Now, I'm going to invite Karen down, who's one of our team members, who's going to share something from Ghana. These are words that my daughter, who is 10, spoke to me a couple of weeks ago after we'd had a Ghana meeting, after Gladstone had been across, and there came across a clear message of hope. This is based on her reflection of the first time we went to Ghana three years ago when she was just seven. So this is some of her thoughts. We didn't have a clue what we were going to do, but God gave us hope. Because we had hope in God and faith, we could show this to the people out there. They don't have much, but there is one thing that keeps them going, and that's hope and faith. You can't imagine how much hope they have, even though they haven't got much. There's a quote from a book that I like that keeps me going. It is, there's one thing stronger than fear, and that is hope. Thank you, Karen. For those that don't know me, I'm Steve. I'm a member of the Ghana team. The Ghana team are a group of about 12 people, mainly from NLBC, but there are other people as well. And we meet every two months to support the work of the Ghanaians in Ghana. We pray for them and we look at the money that we've raised and we try and use that wisely. But it always is working with the Ghanaians because they are the people that know. So there's quite a few who will be up here today. For those you don't know, the Ghanaian project started in about the year 2000. Kingsley Armstrong, who you'll all know, invited Pastor Osmond to come across from Ghana to speak about his dream for rescuing the poorest children from the slums of Jamestown and those that he saw who were sleeping on the beach that had no hope for the future, were living day by day. And his dream was to build an orphanage so that he could look after these children and give them a future. People in our church were inspired by this. And a group of people got together and they formed a building team. And they went over with Osmond and they started building an orphanage. But Osmond had a big vision. It wasn't just a vision for, right, we're going to look after these children now. But we're going to give these children a hope for the future. And so in that, the important side was we've got to educate these children. We've got to prepare them for life. So alongside the orphanage, the plan was to build a school. That was thought about for a long time. But in 2006, a home of hope was opened and Fife International School on the same site. Osmond had been given some land and with the help of the building team, the orphanage was started and the school was started. It only had 12 children to start with. A child sponsorship program was set up. Osmond's vision was that we could support the poorest children because in Ghana, you have to pay to go to school. And so only those that had money could go. And his vision was that the poorest children could afford to have the education that would set them up for life. 
And so that was started. Over the years, many teams have been out. There's been building teams, there's been education teams, there's been health teams. Steve and Rodney and Kingsley have been out to work with the pastors. Osmond has 11 churches and work with them. So there's been lots of input from our church into Ghana. So where are we now? Well, the school has 300 children. We have 100 sponsors sponsoring more than 100 of those children The school is well established and it's well seen up in the community and they'll hold teachers conferences and things at the school where teachers from the local area will come and so it's got an excellent reputation. 32 children have lived in the home and many have grown into young adults. We have been able to support those going through school, going to high school and then on to university and we are now supporting those often going into jobs as well. And some of those children are now working for the project. I've got a little video now which will help explain it further. Well, this is Jamestown, the most densely populated area in Accra. Look at the people. There are so many. They have no place to stay. No jobs, no school, no hospitals, no toilets in the houses. But it is right in the city center. When you educate a child, you educate a whole nation. But when you give them food to eat, they will eat the food and the food will finish. But when you give them education, you give them their whole future. Welcome to Fayef International School. This is the front view of our school. So the bus have arrived, the children are getting off happy and everything. The children come here twice a week. When they come here, they really enjoy themselves. They find it fun, but at the same time, they learn a lot. We are hoping to do more changes, something lightning, something fresh to fire. We are looking at a whole rebranding altogether, making it nice. Even if the school gets rebranded, we are still going to have those that cannot afford to pay anything. For those who cannot pay or the poor, they will always be with us. Children in all kinds of uh, lives cannot pay. It's important to pay for those who cannot afford the education. It's my second time in Ghana and I couldn't be happier to be here again. It won't be my last time and I am really privileged and honoured to be part of the New Life Ghana charity and to spend time at the school and to spend time in Orne and it's a blessing for me to be here so thank you very much for letting me experience everything and I bless everyone here. Thank you. In this country and this economy, education is the key value, is the key system that brings families out of poverty. And you sponsoring every child, you giving children opportunity to go to school, is a glimpse of hope. It's an opportunity for families to ensure that the cycle of poverty is broken. I hope that's given you a brief insight into where we are. It's an exciting project. It's always moving. It doesn't stand still. One of my greatest joys when I went to visit was actually travelling with the children in the bus. And they sing and they sing and they carry on singing. It's absolutely fantastic. 
One of our greatest joys this year has been the broadening of the project and involvement of uh, more churches around the country, people seeing what's happening and wanting to be involved. So I'd like to introduce you today to Reverend Helen Edwards. Helen is a great friend of mine. I went to college with her. She's now a vicar of a church in Liverpool who have just started to get involved with the project. And so I'm going to hand you over to her now. Lovely uh, to be with you all today. Thank you for the invitation and the privilege of sharing with you in worship as part of the uh, Ghana New Life team. Our church, um, like many churches, loves to support mission. and We give, we tithe, we um, want to bless people in different ways. But many of our mission partnerships are quite sort of detached. We um, support Christian Aid, we support Church Urban Fund, we support some people in Argentina. But our mission partnership that was really live and helped us to be blessed two ways and really engage and understand what life is like in other countries, that folded for one reason and another. And as a church, we were praying, saying, well, what can we do to really try and build this up? Work in a really poor area of Liverpool, but people who are poor are so, so generous too. And they longed to give in this way. And I'd heard from Heather and Steve about this project and your church here. And I said, any chance that we can get on board as well? And Liz got very excited because I think you've been praying that uh, your boundaries would extend. It's like, okay, well, maybe God is in this and is leading us into this sort of partnership together. So we asked if we could sponsor a child, and we got involved in that way, and we sponsored a couple of children. When I asked if I could sponsor a child, Heather said to me, why don't you just go? I was like, oh, okay, then we'll go. So we did. And while I was there in Ghana 16 months ago, I met Bridget, who is one of the uh, children that we as a church sponsor. Bridget is um, a young teenager, and it was a joy to meet her. And she is full of life and hope and love, and she wants to be a doctor, and I'm like... Gosh, for a child who's coming from no education, it's like, is that possible? Anyway, I made a little video of her, and it all went pear-shaped because I, I wiped it off my iPhone. I was gutted. And I said to Liz and Peter, I said, any chance you can try and meet Bridget and try and help me? Because it will really help bring life in Ghana back home to our folks in Liverpool. And they said, yeah. Anyway, it was amazing what happened. They started to do a video, and they got a chance to go out and visit another family nearby. And the family said, oh, Bridget just lives there. And they said, oh, does she? Well, so they went with the camera and filmed Bridget. Now, this has made Bridget a bit of a poster girl for New Life Garner. Because in school, she's all trim and all, you know, lovely in her uniform and everything else. She's very well spoken. She wants to be a doctor. They went and videoed her at home. And it really brings home to us, I think, the needs of the people who were able to sponsor It's also transformed our ability to sponsor her beyond and really help to meet some of the needs of the family. And I'm going to let a little video of Bridget run. And actually, I don't think I'll need to say anything at the end of it because I think you'll understand exactly what this is all about. Thank you. So once it's got dark, how do you see to go to bed? You've got light as well. Should we have a look at that? So you have a light at night now, so you can see. At the moment, this is very hot in here. You are sweating like I am. Is that like that all the time? Yes. We sweat like this all the time. And what's that behind your head going round? The fan. So it's not as hot in here, is it now? Okay. The fresh 
So that's where you sit at night. Yeah. And when you're all together as a family, what, what at night what do you do? In the evenings, before you go to sleep. We don't do anything. When we finish bathing, it's just that we, we sleep. We don't normally do anything. Well, you've got your television on, haven't you? Yes. Lovely. You can listen to the music and enjoy it. And how many people are sleeping in here? Three. Three. Okay. Yes, I sleep. Yeah, my mother sleeps in the background. My mother also sleeps. So show me the bed. Oh my goodness. So when I came before, you just had these two small mats. Where do, do you sleep in the middle or by the wall? Lovely. Okay. And does that help you sleep now? That's fantastic, isn't it? So we'll send this to Helen and all the people at Christchurch so they can see. And what about your books? Are you enjoying reading the books? Good. That's good. As I say, it says it all, doesn't it? What a privilege it is to actually bring hope in a very practical way as well. And that's the message what we want to share with you today. Now, I needed a bit of hope this morning because um, I'd said I'd wear a dog collar just to make me look official. And um, I forgot to bring one. But Andrew, my husband, who's going to read now, he had one. So I said, it's all right, we've got, and we had a spare one in the car. But you know what? It's freezing in North Yorkshire. I kept it in the car overnight, picked it up this morning, and it broke into bits. <laughs> we know we've arrived in the northeast at Hellier. So I'd like to introduce Andrew, who is going to read our Bible reading for us without his dog collar, because he kindly gave me his. Our reading is from the book of Romans. Chapter 15, beginning at verse 7. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promise he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. This is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. May the words I speak be those you want spoken, Lord. May the words we hear be those you want heard. And may we live to your glory. Amen. A few weeks back, at the beginning of January, we celebrated Twelfth Night, Epiphany, the arrival of the Magi, the wise men, the kings, whatever you prefer. And it got me thinking about the word epiphany. Yes, it refers to this particular moment in the story of Jesus when the men from the east who had followed a star arrived to worship Jesus. But it can also have a wider meaning, epiphany. It can mean a moment of sudden and great revelation or realization. 
For discerning readers of the account in Matthew 2, there may have been something of this. As they realize that those visiting, worshipping men are not actually Jewish. Here in this moment, there's something new disclosed about Jesus. For Jesus has not only come for the people of Israel, but for all people of every race and nation, including Scousers. Maybe we could describe it as a aha moment, a get it moment. Right from the earliest prophecies about the promised Messiah through to the story of his birth and on into his life, there are moments when something is revealed about Jesus. And in so doing, we learn something more about God and his love, his plans, how Jesus will open the door to our restored relationship with him. In the early days when Jesus is dedicated As was the custom, Simeon and Anna recognized Jesus as the promised one who they've been waiting for. At his baptism, when the heavens open and the Spirit comes down on him like a dove, the words from heaven, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And imagine the crowd in Nazareth as the local boy stood up and read from the prophet Isaiah, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, how about his first miracle, turning water into wine? Or the healing of the paralyzed man, brought to Jesus by his friends and lowered through the roof? Your sins are forgiven. Walk. Your sins are forgiven? Only God can forgive sins. I wonder whether any in that room were like, "Uh uh-huh. Or maybe like, you what? And as time moves on, the thief beside him on the cross. Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds, truly I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. Who is this man? And even after his resurrection, yet still they doubt. Thomas, put your hands in my side. My Lord and my God flashed before us moments from Jesus' life, scenes through which we see the fulfillment of the promises of God made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, bringing good news of God's kingdom in the here and now, sharing the promise of God's Holy Spirit to be with us, empowering and enabling believers to live as Jesus did and the promise of life in eternity with God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives us reason to hope. Amen. (laughs) In the passage that Andrew read from Romans 15, we see Paul, without the use of Googled images, sharing this very same point that I'm wanting to make. Here, as he reaches the end of his letter to the church in Rome, he draws his readers back to the heart of the gospel. He takes us to the theme that's run through this letter and with which he began in chapter 1. In the first verses of Romans, he sets out the gospel which he and we have been commissioned to announce among all the nations. 
Its main content is Jesus. Jesus as the son of David, who is also the son of God. Jesus, who is risen from the dead. Jesus, who is now the Lord of the whole world. In today's reading, we hear passage after passage to show that God always intended to bring the nations of the world into equal fellowship with his chosen people, Israel. Paul draws us back to the Psalms, to the story of Moses, and then into Deuteronomy, and then back to the Psalms before turning to Isaiah. There shall be the root of Jesse. Remember, Jesse was the father of King David. The one who rises up to rule the nations. The nations shall hope in him. The nations. The Gentiles. Remember our starting point with the arrival of the men from the east to worship baby Jesus? All the nations are to be summoned to worship him. To submit to him. And here in particular, to hope in him. He will not simply rule them with a rod of iron, bringing God's judgment upon them. He will rule in such a way as to bring hope to the whole world, something so sorely lacking then as so often today. As Christians, we're to be people of hope. Hope firmly founded in Jesus. Jacob got it right, didn't he? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In trusting Jesus with our lives, we are to have all joy and peace in believing. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, hope should overflow from our lives. Our hope should be seen in life with our family and friends, at work, at school, in our communities, in our lives 24-7. What I love about New Life Ghana is that that love overflows from the joy and peace and hope of Christians here and their desire for that to overflow to each other's. It's about putting into practice these words beyond our immediate lives and reaching across the nations. But it's not a one-way thing. This is a partnership in the joy and peace and hope of the gospel. In meeting the people of Ghana of Fayef School, we are truly blessed and inspired and challenged by the joy and peace and hope that they so evidently show in their lives. Their hope when life is really so tough, is a remarkable witness to the love and saving power of the Lord Jesus, to his work in their lives. In his life, Jesus didn't just tell people to hope. He didn't just talk the good news. He did things to help people to experience, to encounter the reality of the good news for everyday life. And through New Life Ghana and your amazing work in Romania as well, that sounds incredible too. We have the opportunity to do what Jesus did. As Jesus encountered people and met their needs, I imagine there may have been dawning moments of, ah, that believing in Jesus makes a difference 
Maybe in your life you've had moments like that where you've just gone, gosh, is that what it means to believe in Jesus? Jesus makes a difference. People want to know more. So imagine the person encountering the compassion of Jesus. The woman who in faith reached out and touched Jesus' cloak and was healed of her bleeding. Imagine her in that moment. The hungry crowd of thousands fed from a small amount of fish and bread. It can be like that when we reach out with compassion to the people of Ghana. This project brings hope, not just in word, but in action. It points people to the good news of Jesus, and their lives point us back to the good news of Jesus. And in whatever way you support the project, whether it be through your prayers, through sponsorship of a child, just through being interested, chatting about it, like Stephen Heather did, telling their friends on the other side of the country about it, I believe we are following in Jesus' way. And by his spirit, allowing the overflow of our experience of the good news to bless others. And for those of us who have the privilege of going to Ghana, we see for ourselves the hope in those we meet. And occasionally we share, aha, wow, moments when hope is demonstrated, not only in word, but in action. And the love of Jesus is seen. I think we've seen that already in the pictures that we've seen. But I'm going to ask Liz and Irene if they may share a couple more stories with us before I round off. Thank you. I'm glad it's not me next, really. Irene, come on, it's you. This is Irene Marwood, who's a retired head teacher. We do Aquafit together. (laughs) It's my front line. And uh, I just happened to talk to Irene about Ghana, and she said I'd love to go. So she did in October last year. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Liz tells me I have two minutes to summarize an experience like going to Ghana for eight days, which is very difficult to do. It was the most amazing experience. So the way I'll do it is to summarize three words. And the first one would be the faith of the children and the people that I met. Everywhere you go in Ghana, you see people who are passionate about their faith. The pastor in all of the communities that we visited is is the keystone of, of every community. So faith is all around, and the children, it's the cornerstone of their lives. You know, you see posters everywhere. You see uh, messages on cars as you drive down the streets. It is all around. And it uplifts and it supports people. You can see that in everyday life, living in absolute poverty. The second thing I would say is the joy, because everywhere you go, like Steve, you mentioned the churches are joyous occasions. And the children arrive at school full of joy. And again, you, know, you think, how can this be with people who have so little in their lives? And yet you give them a small thing and it is wonderful. And the final thing I'll say is hope. And hope I witnessed you know, throughout the whole of my stay through education, because that's where we were in a school. And everybody has hope for the future. I really enjoyed talking to 11, 12-year-olds and said, you know, what would you like to do when you grow up? 
And like you were saying, you know, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a nurse, I want to have children, but first I want to be a nurse and I want to be a teacher. They all have such hope for the future and that comes through their faith and it comes through their education and the opportunities that they were afforded. So it was the most incredible experience. One of the things that I wanted to do while I was there was try to make an impact, as we we all do. We want to make a difference and a sustainable difference. And I was interested in in a project to help young girls create, produce a, a sanitary towel which was washable, reusable, in order to help them to get along with their everyday lives. And so that project really ballooned, didn't it? Liz and we were just so amazed by the response and children were coming back and saying you know I want to make some for my mother I want to make some for my sister the boys in the groups were saying please can we do these to give to our mothers and our sisters and can I make some for my wife when I grow up and get married from some of the boys which was amazing so those children they have hope in abundance through education through their faith through their joy of life. And yes, it's, it was a life-changing experience for me. I, I will go back, and I'm sure everybody feels the same. It gets inside you, and it, it changes you forever. But yes, hope in abundance is what we saw. Thank you. And I think there's a little video clip now to see. What I wanted to do with them was to show them how to make a reusable sanitary towel. And so it's a way of keeping girls at school and giving them the confidence to be independent. And they are absolutely amazing. It just shows the level of work that they've been doing to be able to take on something like this. And it's quite difficult to sew through quite a thick amount of fabric. But they have taken to it and they have just sat and concentrated and my friends and volunteers over here have been preparing the yarn because all we need to do now is to put on a press stud like that which secures it in place when it's been used. Tomorrow I'm going to show them how to make a washable pouch using charity bags. It's nice, it's good, mm -hmm. it's economical. Even if you don't have money, you can do it yourself and use it. Thank you. Is it <laughs> It was and is still going on. It was truly wonderful. So I look forward to your next visit to Ghana. Over the past six years or so, we really feel that God has been equipping and empowering us to change the lives of people in a very rural village called Oni. Osman took us there, and we really didn't know why he'd taken us. But I think now the picture's becoming clearer. I just want to show you five little glimpses of the ways in which we've brought hope to this rural village. Okay. So here's the church in the village of Oni. On the left, you'll spot our dear Steve. We wish he was here today, and I know he'd like to be here too. Steve Cowie and Steve Jackson with the poles that we bought on one visit to start the building of the church. And the joy was in the same visit that Helen and Andrew were on, was actually going uh, to the dedication of that church when it was opened. New life, only church. But it's not just a church. It's become the community hub of that village. Most Sundays now there are people who give their lives to Jesus who come. So it's a very special place. When we were there 
last October, some of you remember Alison who stood up here with me and she didn't know what she was going to do. She still doesn't actually know. I'm hoping it will start to become real for her how God used her. But she gave a talk. Well, she didn't actually. She, she wouldn't give a talk about health. She said, who am I to do that? So she chatted through two interpreters to the people in the village about their health issues. And in doing that, they told us that malaria was a real problem and they would love malaria nets. And as they were going through the different illnesses they had and when we checked their blood pressure, that their blood pressure was through the roof, we had no idea, but it dawned on Osman that these people didn't have the National Insurance Health Card in Ghana to buy and have a free basic medical treatment for a year. Cost five pounds for an adult, renewable every year, three pounds for a child. And he was dumbfounded, as were we. I sent back WhatsApps. Somebody in my life group immediately sent over some money, enough to buy quite a lot of those people a health card. And it, it just grew that project, and we re- to date, I thought we'd finished, £1,735 has come in to buy health cards. So I thank you for that. And every single member of that church now has a health card. And because of the amount of money we had, and because we'd unearthed this problem, or God had shown us, I guess, the teachers in the school, we found out, they didn't have them either. So the teachers in the school have now all got them. When I walked into church this morning, somebody's given me an envelope, Ghana Health Cards, £100. So we will have an annual appeal for this because it's so important. And now those people will be able to go to the clinics and get basic help, blood pressure tablets, paracetamol, antibiotics for chest infections, and malaria tablets. The mosquito nets, well, the specialist palliative care team were determined that they were going to provide those. And they kept pestering me about it when I got back. So when Gladstone and Roseman were here just before Christmas, they got to work on it. And they had a friend who'd been at university with them who'd graduated and was working in a hospital and was able to provide a mosquito net for every family in Oni, free of charge. As well as linking in with Liverpool and as a response, an absolute answer to prayer to God to enlarge our borders, we've been praying for three years, we also now have a link with the Knaresborough Parish and the team rector in Knaresborough. He came out to Ghana with me last April and he was looking for something a bit like Helen, you know, what can we do in, in our parishes? that's meaningful. And on the very first day we went to Oni, that wasn't our plan. As we were leaving, he said, Liz, this is it. I said, but it's only day one. You're going to see lots. And he said, this is it. And so we went back, he preached there, he went to different sorts of services, prayer meetings that they have there. And he raised the money through his parish to buy the bread oven. We had to have it specially made. And so we've now got somebody ready to train the women of Oni so that they can make bread, make pies, make confectionery and sell it. So although we are funding that, or Gary is funding that from Nairsborough to start off with, ultimately it will fund itself. 
and Gary's stepdaughter Annie came and fell in love with the children of Oni. There is a government school there. The quality of what goes on there is pretty ropey. And Fife International School supporting it and giving it resources. Can you believe that? But they don't have any nursery provision at all. And so Annie and the young people of Knaresborough are now funding for a small nursery that will start in the church. And we're hoping that will open very soon. So it's been quite an amazing journey. (laughs) I thought it was just about building a church. I've got no idea. Liz gets teary. I can see she's teary. But that's because it is such a privilege, isn't it, to be able to share in this way and to share hope in this way. They are amazing stories. Thank you for sharing them. What a privilege it is then for us to believe in Christ along with our fellow believers in Ghana and to be able to walk in his footsteps, sharing hope rooted in the good news of God's love in words and action. We're sent to the nations, to the people of North Allerton, North Yorkshire, I don't know where you're all from, from different places, but we're sent there to Liverpool, to Accra and beyond. And as we are, so I want to pray today those words at the end of that passage from Romans, praying that today and every day God would fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that it may overflow from our lives with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know when God's Holy Spirit is at work that he is able to do far more than we can ever ask for or imagine. To him be glory in the church and the world. Amen. Hi, my name is Andrew. I live up in Morpeth, way up in Northumberland. I had the privilege of going out in October 2016, and uh, I'm hoping, well, I am going back in October this year, and I'm taking some of the young people from my church. And the reason I mention the young people from my church, when I was preparing for these prayers that I'm going to go through in a moment, God gave me a very strong prophetic word for the 20 to 30s in here. And this is from Amos chapter 2, 11. And it says, I raised up prophets from among your sons and Nazarites from among your young men. In New Testament, we can include the ladies in that. God's calling you to stand up. And he's calling you to step out and to be seen and heard in this place at this time. The other verse that God laid on my heart with regards to this idea of hope was Amos chapter 3, verse 12. And it says, as a shepherd saves from the lion's mouth only two leg bones or a piece of an ear, sometimes that's the hope that the children in Ghana have. You might be that sponsorship shepherd who sends someone else to go and pull their legs out from the lion's mouth. Whatever metaphor you want to use, whether it be illness or poverty, you are those shepherds. And the hundred sponsors that we've got are those shepherds who pull them out from that state. So, a prayer of hope. Heavenly Father, you are the Lord of creation. You formed the world at your will and at your word. And your word upholds all things, and all things hold together at your word. You are the everlasting God in whom we live and breathe and have our being, and in whom our hope rests. 
You are the source of all our needs and the one on whom we can always rely. You are the light in the darkness that cannot be overcome. Because of who you are, we can have hope and a hope that does not disappoint. We pray that you continue to bring hope to the children of Fayef, that their future may be secure, not just their physical future, but their spiritual future. We pray that you continue to bring hope to the staff of Fayef and to the Ghana team. Lord, we thank you that yours is a kingdom of hope and that you give us hope so that we may give others hope. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would keep us in a state of hope so that we may bring hope to others. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Andrew, and another border that's been enlarged to Morpeth. Finally, I just wanted to use this opportunity to thank you so much for all that you do for us, for my life group that prays without ceasing for me and for the team and for every single visit and welcomes Osmond, Gladstone, Rosemond, everybody to our life group when they're over here. And for the church as a whole, for your prayers when we make journeys out there, it just changes everything. It makes such a difference. It makes the journey and the whole time there feel like those travelators that you get at airports that just carry you along. It only ever feels like that to me. And I just thank you for those prayers. I've got three last photos. Um, The first two, around the thanks. There's Ray. I think it's SJ and probably Gladstone. uh, Pushing Osman's car. That was just all that ever happened until your very generous donations for the new car. The new car has a CD player in it. Osman's not bothered about what his new car looks like. It is, it's not brand new, it's second hand. And it, there were stickers on it, I assume from where it was imported, on the windscreen. He didn't even bother taking those off the whole time we were there. I don't know if they're still on, but as long as he could see out of the windscreen, those sorts of things didn't bother him. But it had a CD player. We were listening, four of us in the car, to a CD from the Hollybush camp in the summer. It was John Andrews preaching on the Garden of Gethsemane. And we arrived in the car park. It hadn't finished, so we carried on listening. All four of us afterwards, we discovered our eyes were closed, but tears were streaming down as we were praying at the end of it. And a guy in the car next door had seen us sitting there. And when we got out, he said to Osmond, I've been watching you. I've seen you and I've heard what you're listening to. And I've seen you praying to this man called Jesus and I want to know him. And so Osmond invited him to church. You see, that was through the car. And then the last thing I want to tell you about is this. I'm glad I've just got two minutes left because it's a great story. I've called it Darn Socks, but you can call it what you like. If you want a spiritual reference, I think it is, it's more blessed to give than receive. Irene and I, she got me going all over the place just before Christmas, and we went to Orchid House, sheltered housing in Thursk and, and met with a delightful group of people and there were a, an elderly couple there, a gentleman in his 90s I didn't realise this but they've sponsored a child through this project from the beginning, I didn't realise that anyway he listened to what we had to say and he said could you use some socks, I'm having a clear out and I've got rather a lot of woollen socks and I've darned them all myself could you use them? And I'm thinking, no, not really. And I, of course you can't say no. So I said, 
Great. That's really kind of you. Thank you so much. And I know I'm going to give them to. I'll give them to Shadrach. When Irene picked them up, there were three bags of darn socks. And I said to Shadrach, this took him a long time to parcel these up. Can you write a thank you? So he did it. I didn't see it. It was in an envelope. I gave it to Irene. And that was it. After we got back, we went back to Orchid House to thank them and to tell them what happened on the trip. And Irene had read the letter, hadn't you, already? It was actually a poem, because Shadrach writes beautiful poems. And Irene said to the gentleman, could I read this to you? Would you mind? And he said, no, 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 fine. So Irene started to read, and she said, dear grandpa. And with that, his eyes filled with tears, and he said, I've never had a grandchild, and today I've become a grandpa. So for it's in giving that we receive, even when we give darned socks. Wonderful. Uh, can I just, on behalf of us all, just say a massive thank you to Liz and the Ghana team. Thank you to Reverend Helen for being with us and for Andrew too. Thank you for your message. What an inspiring message that was. And we're just going to end by praying that prayer at the end of Romans 15 together. So hopefully you can see that. Let's say these words together now. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We pray, come Holy Spirit, bless us and send us out from here. Thank you for the ministry of New Life Ghana and for every person involved. And thank you for Osmond and his work there. Bless him, Rosamond and Gladstone and everyone there today. Be with them, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.